What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Futures are mixed with some weakness in tech as we get a Fed decision today, 2 o'clock Eastern time. NASDAQ is struggling a bit here as the 10-year yield approaches 168. That's a 14-month high. Oil's down for a fourth day on some of these reopening worries in Europe. Our roadmap begins with pressure on Powell. Investors watching the Fed tea leaves for some insight on the recovery, inflation, and the fate of monetary policy. Plus, as Carla referenced, yields are rising, pressuring technology stocks and growth stocks overall once again. The 10-year is that 14-month high, as you saw ahead of what will be a Fed decision, but we're going to be hearing from Powell later today. And the EV boom, why the CEO of Lucid Motors doesn't see a potential Apple car as a threat for that industry. Carl. Uh, Jim, this morning on Twitter, uh, you've definitely taken note of the inverse correlation uh, between technology and rates. So painful. I mean, I, I was watching Frank Holland this morning in the oil section five, uh, five o'clock. And what was incredible was we didn't have this. We didn't have the bonds doing anything at that hour and everything looked fine. It was just all hunky dory. Who knew? Uh, maybe this was the up day. Apple was looking up. And then the, the interest rates, they tick up and just the linkage is so clear. David often talks about the algorithms. It really doesn't even matter what what Nasdaq stock we're talking about. It goes down and, uh, when we see this. And David, I know you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day, uh, which is really great to see. But this linkage is just extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, how lockstep it is. It is right now. You know, what breaks it, Jim? What, what takes it off? Uh, because it's not as though this is not also pointing to what is going to be very significant growth, which you could argue is going to be a positive for many companies, even oh. with the prospect of some inflation. Look, I had Dow Chemical on this night, Jim Fitterling. I mean, look, uh, last year, the stock was at 22. He did buy $2 million worth in the open market, came on the show to talk about it. Yeah, all of their products, the prices are going up. Now, some of it is, is, is we have not talked enough about URI, which is a storm that was so concentrated in the areas where plastics are made. But, but Carl, if, you were, if, if I were in the uh, room asking Jay Powell, I would say there is not a commodity other than cocoa. That isn't going up huge. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And then he has to do the dance, Carl. He has to say ephemeral. He has to say short term. But can he back that up with any facts? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm laughing about Coco because uh, we do have an upgrade of Hershey on that very point uh, that yeah. Coco is the one inflation uh, input that is not uh, on this incredible train. Uh, interesting, uh, Jim, um, Trading Nation's got a great hit on, on our website today uh, that Wells Fargo says don't rule out a 10 year at two and a quarter uh, by year end and that their view is generally that Powell is not going to step in front of that to slow it down all that much, at least in their view. Well, look, two and a quarter again, when you're uh, watching 
what's going to be happening this morning with Lennar, which had a great quarter. Uh, two and a quarter does not make it so that you have a prohibitive rate. I think there were some people who would say, you know what? I mean, the housing start numbers were weak today. And I know Diane had some, had some, Diane had some great stuff on it. But what I would come back and say what's really important is that there is a shortage of housing, but there's no shortage of buyers. Uh, and if they can ever make enough houses, and they do have gross margins going up, which means prices are going up, lumber's going up, I think we'll be fine. I mean, David, when you go to buy a house, it is still not anything like when we got in the business. I mean, it's still a three and a half. It's a three and a half. Right. And you got to put a lot of money down, so it's not like 2007, 2008. No, there, was, there was fairly rigorous due diligence still these days. You actually have to tell them what you make and keep giving them paycheck stubs and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think it, that, the, that the Fed can let those rates go a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But what I do worry about are the people, the journalists in the audience who are going to hound him. They're going to pound him over and over again about the boom. The boom, the boom. Well, he's in a tough spot, right? He because you know if he's less dovish, that has certain implications. But he's in a tough spot. But how about last year? Was he in a tough spot when he came on? He's always in. He's always in a tough spot. He's right. It's not as though he hasn't thought through very carefully exactly what his words are going to be and what he's going to use in terms of his adjectives and verbs and everything else. uh, Carl, I parsed everything you had to say. Last year at this time, including word for word what he said uh, in an amazing interview uh, with Savannah Guthrie in the Today Show. This guy, I mean, was basically saying the Fed doesn't run out of ammo. This guy is so practiced. I mean, he is Olivier. You know, I went to I, I, I used to listen to the Olivier records, uh, King, King Henry the Fourth, Part One and Two. Of course. He always said the same thing exactly. Well, of course, it was a record. Well, we've got a record Fed. A broken record fed. And if he just keeps saying it, they will eventually, they'll say uncle. The journalists will say uncle. And they'll go on to talk about how Coco's not going up. But that's what they're going to do. And he never is off message. He is so good that you don't want to watch him. He's Olivier. David, Olivier was a famous actor. No, I'm actually aware of, of Sir Lawrence, yeah. You Thank are? you for that, yes. And, of course, I know one of, uh, one of Carl's favorite movies, I think, is Marathon Man. I think so, because he's mentioned it. Is, oh, it, yeah, is it safe? Is it safe? Yeah. Is, is it safe? Is it safe? No. Yeah. Yes. Book's no, good it's too. very dangerous. Yeah. One of the greatest William seeds. Goldman, yeah. right? Um, William Goldman, yep. 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 But they're going to yeah, try, that's Carl. Right. That's they're right. going to try. They are just going to be relentless. He must like, Mr. Chairman. Isn't it true that the price of plastics are up very big and wood is up very big and oil's up very What say you, sir? And he will say, I have looked at the situation and when I think it's necessary, I will raise All rates. right. So what does it all mean for growth stocks, for technology names that are getting beaten up, for SPACs that are, uh, are back to their redeem price? Well, they go are, you know, down what is first it? because yes. the older people recognize the linkage. Okay. And David, then the younger people come in and say, what's the bond market? Right. And they have the firepower. And don't forget, they're getting checks. And do they say what the tenure is? David, they don't know what the tenure is. The tenure. What are they talking about? They're working on it. The tenure. Give them time. What's the tenure have to do with the price of Lucid? They're working on it. You're right. You're right. Not nothing as far as tenure. Betsy Cohen. Yeah. Hey, Techno Toro El Toro. El Toro. El Toro. Toro Toro. El Toro. Toro Toro. Right. I mean, come on. We know, Dave. What do we know about these younger buyers? They don't look at the bond market. Now, should no. they? Yes, because of this no. big stream. They go back it. and forth in the apps on their phone between sports betting and, and playing the market. Well, and Kathy Wood, and Diamond Kathy. Hands, yep. and GameStop. Mm-hmm. And then you come along with this incredibly large multi-trillion dollar market that has historically linked to stocks. 
And you're old. You're a boomer. Practically, you are a boomer. I'm the, I'm the ground zero I've boomer. Talked, I know. But I am not kidding. These people do not link. So they look at this and they say, Carl, they say, oh, things are on sale because, um, I don't know, they're on sale. Some guy named Powell. Yeah, Powell. Powell. Yeah, Jay Powell. I Bo- saw that on uh, yesterday. Powell. on uh, Boog Powell? See, that's how old I am. Boom Powell. Boog. Boog Powell. Yes. See, first baseman Baltimore, I think. Well, but Carl, they, they come in and buy, and they buy their faves. Uh, and if, if uh, Kathy Wood comes in and buys Tesla, hey, she's been buying some crazy stuff. I don't know if you guys have been watching yesterday. What she's coming in and buying, whatever's I, I, yeah. down. I got her list. Did you get the list? I, yeah, I got her list here. She, sna- she snapped up some Peloton yesterday. That's uh, we'll it. talk about uh, what Ark's been doing. Uh, as well as Amazon, guys, we do have some breaking news regarding what? the company this morning. Let's get to our Bertha Coombs. Hey, Bertha. Hey, Carl, Amazon taking another big step in healthcare. It will be rolling out its telehealth service, Amazon Care, in all 50 states this summer for its own employees, and it will begin offering it to other employers. Amazon Care is a two-year-old pilot program uh, for workers in Washington state that began as a virtual urgent care service with some in-person follow-up with a nurse, but it has now evolved into a virtual primary care service where employees can talk to the same doctor and care team and get in-person testing, immunizations and checkups, and online services like pregnancy coaching. That's what they'll be offering other employers as well. Being able to serve lots of Amazonians is a great starting point. Um, As we talk to different enterprises, a lot of what they're expressing interest in is this new model, this hybrid model of in-person with the virtual care um, and the flexibility and the adaptability. Initially, the national rollout will just entail the virtual piece with in-person support available, that hybrid model, just in Washington State and Amazon's second headquarters in the metro Washington, Baltimore area. But with the explosive growth in telehealth during the pandemic, there is heated competition to build out this virtual primary care system in the employer market. That's part of the impetus behind Teladoc's acquisition of Livongo last fall and Doctor on Demand's deal this week to merge with Grand Rounds. United Health has launched its own service, while CVS Health is running a pilot program. Amazon is going to be competing against these incumbents, but they're able to offer a bigger mix of services. Still, this is very much a developing market. And Carl, Amazon says it's aiming to basically change the delivery of healthcare with that emphasis on delivery. Uh, fascinating, uh, Bertha. Thank you for that. It sets up a really nice conversation uh, for us, Jim, uh, because I think it's uh, bared this morning adds Amazon to a fresh pick. And their general line of thinking is that by their calculations, about 75 percent of revenue is a recurring revenue model. Uh, they're, they're saying take a fresh look at Amazon as uh, Amazon as a service is what they call it. Target 4000. Right. And I think that Amazon comes down because of the future pressure because of the, of uh, of Jay Powell. But I do think that Amazon, uh, in that piece, it did say that the year-over-year comparisons are actually easier than a lot of others. But, uh, birth story, this is huge, okay? Because the Death Star visited CVS in 11 20, uh, 2018. When I said they visited, they talked about, I'm talking about Amazon moving into healthcare. Do you know the stock never regained that level? It, it, it crashed all the way to the low 50s. 
They're talking the, about CVS right when now. C- yeah. Yes, Just CVS. make sure people follow. Okay. Right, I'm sorry. And yeah. that, that was the Death Star attacking CVS. Right. Amazon, yeah, when they and, came at them, right? Right, and now Teladoc? Sending. I mean, do you want to be in Teladoc? I don't know. I don't know if you do. I mean, guys, you know, it's funny. We didn't focus on it at the time when Haven, remember the joint venture? We made a lot of it when it was announced. Yeah. J.P. Morgan and Berkshire and Amazon. I mean, early this year, that thing ended. Uh, it only had, what, 57 actual employees based in Boston. But then they all went their separate ways. And this is obviously Amazon following through, perhaps on some things that they learned there, but certainly trying to continue to move towards better outcomes in healthcare, which was the whole joint ventures purpose for being it didn't succeed repeat doctors uh people trust amazon the uh, bear piece took about 200 million prime members i mean i would i would look at this as a way to uh, look we use teledoc a lot of people use teledoc but you, you sample call people sample and, and amazon is a company that does a lot of things right when they get it right and you just say you know what i'm going to start using it for x uh, I was with someone on uh, my friend Pomp, who does uh, uh, Bitcoin work, and Amazon Web Services. I mean, this is it's connected to Bitcoin uh, because it's the way yeah, it will have computing power, the greatest computing power. So I say Amazon Web Services uh, uh, coupled with with uh, a doctor on demand teledoc product. It could be a winner, Carl. It could be a winner. It could actually transcend the bond market because the younger people, they don't know bonds. They think that bond comes out every now and then. It's now Daniel Craig. <laughs> it's, it's Daniel it's, Craig. It's been delayed. The Daniel Craig version has been delayed. Yes. I'm taller than Daniel um, Craig. Jim, you meant? No, you're not. I am. You mentioned Bitcoin. Uh, B of A does smack Bitcoin around a bit in a new note, which we'll talk about after a break. Also got news on Lyft and Uber, upgrades of McDonald's, initiation of Virgin Galactic. A lot more when we continue in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. We secured $4.5 billion through both the SPAC and the PIPE with an unprecedented array of blue chip investors. And that really secures the future of Lucid. And, and, and I mean, this is very interesting because that competitor was only able to secure several hundred million at IPO. And it meant that it had to really look for fresh injections of capital many times. And with this capital, we secure our future well into 2023. It's Lucid Motors CEO Peter Rawlinson with Jim last night on Mad. Jim, as usual, a lot of EV headlines today. It's Lucid with you last night. Uh, BMW this morning trying to talk about an accelerated shift to EV. 
Philobo was so great this morning. We just said BMW first time. Guess com- completely whiffed. Uh, Volkswagen obviously all in. But I would say this uh, uh, about Lucid. I think Rawlinson says he told us they're almost sold out of everything. And that, and since they have the money, they can go to the next iteration. The next iteration, David. This is one of the better capitalized companies that have come along. And obviously, he's speaking about the comparison with Tesla when he said they only had several hundred million. So, you know, these guys are loaded for bear. They are. But I mean, I think it does. It is worth mentioning at that that uh, at thirty one dollars, Churchill Capital five, um, that it's going to have one point six billion shares outstanding. A lot of shares. So the implied value of this company is already, what, forty seven billion dollars right now, somewhere around there. I haven't done the exact math. All right. Let's call it at 30 bucks. You can do it. So 30 times one point six billion. you know, you're talking about a company that's projecting 5.2 billion in EBIT uh, in uh, uh, in profits, gross profit in 2026, 2.8 billion in EBITDA by 2026. That car that we both looked at is a $160,000 automobile. They are saying they're going to produce 500,000 total units for all the different uh, models by 2030. I mean, Jim, you know, it, it's fascinating. It's going to be really interesting to watch the growth of this company, but it is not without risk. No, it it isn't. But I would say that of the companies that I've seen and talked to that are in the EV space, these guys got a plan. I also remember the building Greenfield in Arizona. Uh, The cars are beautiful. I do think that matters. I think there will be demand for a car that is that price. Remember, the others are going to come out and they're lower price. I took a a test drive in it. Um, Matter of fact, I got thrown. I got thrown because I didn't think we were going to go anything other than faster than, you know, five, five miles and whatever. We went zero to like 80 and boom. I mean, I was trying to get the seatbelt on and stuff. But, Carl, this thing is gorgeous. And I think that if you can do it at scale, it's gorgeous and it can get 500 miles on a charge, Carl. I think people are going to say 500 miles on a charge and luxury, gorgeous. It's going to do well. So I know that the valuation is high. But, Carl... The car is fabulous. Hi, it's right around Ford's, which so, you happen to love. Well, Ford was almost run into the ground by a guy who was a, he like, he was a steel cabinet guy. Yeah, well, Ford, what Ford has, is steel distinguished case. because it never filed bankruptcy, unlike Well, and it's, it's got some problems with, Pete, with uh, the chips and some plastic issues. Yeah, I, my cool. point is just it's, it's got a very high market value, Jim, you know. <laughs> what? That, huh. but, meanwhile, guys, uh, yeah. Honda, by the way, Honda's uh, cutting some production in the U.S. and Canada this morning, uh, talking about that ongoing ship, uh, chip shortage, uh, which we'll get to in more detail later on. Uh, overall, Jim, as you well know, inventory to sales ratio in the car market in general is extremely low. There's very little to buy. We've talked about some of the problems in production. And Rawlinson did talk to you overall about the competitive market for cars right now. Take a listen to this. There's no such thing as an EV market. This is a market for cars and EVs will penetrate and uh, completely uh, fill that that market, that world market for cars. So I'd welcome the competition from a company like Apple. But ultimately, you know, this is a technology race. Tesla recognizes that. All right. 
So there's a comment, at least on the Apple car, which really still nobody knows anything about. No, and uh, Rawlinson's a confident fellow, and a lot of it is because uh, he has the money. Uh, he's got the design. But let's go back to what you said about Honda going back and forth with Phil LeBeau. Man, I've got to tell you, the basic building blocks, what went offline with this storm, with Yuri? You are seeing tightness everywhere with anything having to do with plastic. And you know there's a lot of plastic in cars. It's a continual theme. It probably will come up in the fabled Fed meeting. Plastics. David, remember, there was that was the future plastics. Yeah. One yes, it was. Yes, it was. Right. Another movie worth mentioning. Yes. Would, would it be winner, great if, if Powell said, if Powell said, uh, what exactly do you mean? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, a little graduate <laughs> reference. We'll take a break. Uh, more Squawk in the Street in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Welcome back. Let's get to a mad dash. Uh, and we're actually here. We're standing up a little bit. It's nice. Good to see you. Thank fully you. Fully back in form. Thank you very much. Uh, something not in form today, a company you've followed closely, Plug Power. One uh, a thing that we don't like to see, you probably agree with me, is restatements. Yeah. Now, uh, I was going back and forth with Andy Marsh. He is the CEO of Plug Power. Uh, and I actually... No restatements are good. I'll repeat once again, but there is some complex accounting. It will not impact its non-cash, which does matter because you always want to see if cash goes down. You know that that means often something that we really don't want to see. Right. Uh, I think that they're going to work to resolve it very quickly. Uh, KPMG had an issue at the last minute with what was happening. And I the stock has been uh, uh, been it peaked clearly, but yeah. I do long term believe in it. I am not ready I know that accounting regularities equal sell. Uh, I'm still digging on this. I want to know who blew the whistle. Was it a, a new order? Was it someone at the company? That does matter. What was it related to? It Jeff? was do related. Yes, it, it had to do with uh, highly complex, involving significant judgments on how to apply gap given our leadership in new and rapidly developing industry. I'm actually quoting, so I don't want to screw this up. Sure. Um, but what they're, they're basically saying is that while there's no material issues, there are ways to be able to. And I think Cowan had the best note, but you, you, there are ways to be able to uh, to assess. How much of what they should be talking about, how much they, I'm getting the last thing, but it has to do with their true fuel cells. Okay. And I didn't want to see it, obviously, and it's very, very negative when you see this, but it's also, it's not, no one lied to my expectation. I don't think they did, uh, but I, it's going to take a little while. True is downgraded on this, even though guidance unchanged. What I care about is the guidance unchanged. They're not doing it, but it, David, it, what it is, of course, it's wholly tied to topic 842 accounting treatment. Okay, well, that doesn't help me a lot. Fuel cell well, that For is the problem. I studied it and studied it. I right. gave it to my friends at accountant, and he said, look, it's not that bad. But at the same time, it is very hard to understand. And therefore, maybe the reason why some people say, I'll uh, ask questions later. Yes. Yes. That's really not a green tie, David. Yes, it is. It's emerald. Absolutely. Emerald. Yeah. Aaron, go David. Absolutely. I mean, I can't speak for what color these are. This is really green. We really got to go. We got got an opening belt coming up. 
Keep your eye on the ride-sharing uh, stocks this morning. Uber is going to grant its drivers in the U.K. Uh, employment status that would entitle them to vacation and pension contributions after a court ruling over there. Meanwhile, Jim, uh, back here in the States, uh, Webbush takes lift from 72 to 85. Um, and we'll keep our eye on how the reopening affects those dynamics. Yeah, I mean, I struggle with these. These are exactly the kinds of stocks that will uh, that would have normally gone down. And the lift piece is OK. Uh, I think that these stocks are, are integral to the notion of the gig economy. And when I see uh, when I see any benef- benefits given to any giggers, well, what I can say is that the gig people are that's a bad model. You want to get rid of them and you want autonomous cars. But, uh, Carl, this is not something that would make me want to buy at least uh, Uber. Not at all. They can't. Right, right. They're, they're, um, they, well, they do well because they don't pay this stuff. Right. That's, yeah, the driver's expensive. Right. Guys, there's the opening bell and the S&P 500. At the big board, it's restaurant ordering technology provider Olo celebrating its IPO. We'll talk to the uh, CEO later in the next hour. At the NASDAQ, it's Sun Country Airlines also going public today. CEO is going to join us in less than an hour. That's going to be uh, ticker SNCY uh, at the NASDAQ. Prices at 24, Jim. Range was 21 to 23. Jeez. Uh, we know it's, uh, it's a, there's a tailwind behind airlines. I know, but th- this is the day that don't stick your neck out. Uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin with a very interesting piece today about uh, – the, uh, the how the airlines cleaned up, I would say, look, they had to pay the employees that people felt that airlines were the incubators at that point for covid. Uh, and it is amazing how the group has come back. But we don't need another airline stock right now. We don't need another company that, that's involved in the food business. We have too many stocks, David. We have too, just many, too stocks. many stocks. Well, first of all, hold on Sunair, it's a small offering, but what? I mean, they're, they're charter, they're cargo, they're commercial. Listen, the, the offering itself, 15 times over subscribers, what I was hearing this but, morning. Yeah, yeah. I know, we usually always get that. 80% is going to the top 25 uh, holders, so we'll see, or will, will be the top 25. We'll see. It, it, it may actually pop because uh, it was, I think it was fairly well priced. Um, and we'll talk, to the, we'll talk to the CEO later about their actual business model from here. Jim. But to your point, we do have a lot of companies. We have a lot of SPACs coming public, which is then going to result in an enormous amount of companies coming public. Right. Uh, yesterday, you had Osprey 2. You had Brand Velocity. These are all SPACs that priced. Uh, Vector 3 and Vector 4. They got 3 and 4 in there at the same time. You had Decarbonization 5. First Mark 3, Transformational. You had Leo 5. I don't know if that's a king. Or that's number five. I missed Leo one through four. You had HIG two. You had DD three two. Cerberus Telecom two. Carl, I'll end there. But you wow. get my point. Well, that, um, that was over how many weeks? That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Yes. Fifteen. Fifteen SPACs filed to go public yesterday. Or I'm sorry, maybe it was two. Uh, what day is today? The seventeenth. Two days ago. Wait, well, it, where's the supposed buy? There's supply. Yeah, there's a lot of supply. Carl, we can't handle a lot of supply when the Fed is going to be grilled about inflation. Maybe these people just want to get these deals done before everyone realizes, wow, how much stock has hit the market. Carl, I don't like it. I don't like it when we have so many deals. It's not just because it's on the lightning round and someone calls us, Jim, opine on Vector 3. No, I'm, I'm still learning Vector 2. I mean, you know, Churchill. I, you had to get to Vector 4 also. They were both $350 million raises. But by the way, when it comes to SPACs, remember, 
it's 10 bucks. It's 10 bucks. You don't have potentially you have don't have the downside, Jim. So that's just the issuing uh, offering of the SPAC. And a lot of people line up for it. Although these days, my understanding is when you're putting in for you know, you usually put in for a lot more than you think you're going to get hit. But a lot of people are getting everything they're asking for, which is not a good sign. No, I mean, there's got Carl, there's got to be a day where they can't do a SPAC where it's like we're SPAC'd up. Well, like you like that. When are we going to well, be SPAC'd hasn't up? Hasn't come Rob? yet. No, no. Yeah, I mean, we've already we've already matched all of last year uh, in terms of volume in three months. Um, so that that I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Costin has said out loud uh, not sustainable, but uh, he has not said when it will stop being sustainable. Costin is just so prolific. He's got a piece out today. Just I, I, mean, I said that to somebody this morning. Yeah, I said, how do they churn out so much stuff? There's like a hundred page report on all their new screens. Uh, today, which uh, I guess we can get into a little bit later. Jim, I did want to get you on some restaurant news today. Um, we had the upgrade of Starbucks yesterday at BTIG, a higher target today out of Tesla or, or Telsey. Uh, Baird says, look for trends to start improving really in the next couple of weeks. And then Deutsche ups McDonald's uh, to buy 244. They say, look, the implied 11% upside may not seem that dramatic for, a, for an upgrade, but in an era where casual dining is a, quote, bastion of safety, they think that's pretty good. Yeah, look, we are now seeing people saying there's 150,000 restaurants that have gone under. It is impossible to understand the new rules. I have to have an accountant speak to a banker about what the new rules are for restaurants. Uh, and it is clear that the last men standing, whether it be Cheesecake, uh, whether it be McDonald's, and I call that last that last bastion line really uh, caught me, whether, whether it be Texas Roadhouse, whether it be Darden, it doesn't matter. They have it. How many small coffee shops went out of business? And the answer is, David, I'm sure two down the block from you went out of business and are shuttered. And who comes in and scoops those places up? Starbucks. Although I already have a Starbucks on my block, so I don't know. Okay, well, it's yeah. metaphorical. And actually, David. the coffee shop across the street had closed years ago, maybe because of that very fact. Yeah, but, the, but the Seinfeld place, has that been turned into no, a... That's up. That's up. A ways. But that's that's that a way up. That's up, yeah. I think that's still there. But there are, Carl, there are a lot of, um, it's rhetorical. Oh, there are a lot of know. small coffee shops that I've been charting, including in, obviously, I'm trying very close to within, anything within 10 blocks of, of where our restaurants are. And I can't believe that those were those places were really undercapitalized. So, yes, last man standing is doing well here, Carl. Starbucks turned out to be essential. <laughs> yeah. And as we continue to watch uh, return to work policies, Jim, today it's Ford. A good story on CNBC.com about, again, a new flexible work schedule that's going to allow, I'm trying to think how many, uh, how many workers here, uh, 30,000 employees uh, remain home post-pandemic. And we're, we're, getting, we're, we're seeing a lot of policies unveiled last couple of weeks to varying degrees about how much they want those workers back in the office. But that has big implications for how many cups of coffee you're going to get at a Starbucks, for example? Look, I mean, when you think about Salesforce, the largest tower in San Francisco being empty, uh, that's a lot of Starbucks that doesn't get that doesn't get delivered, David. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. Listen, I mean, these these the the providers of services to office workers in major metropolitan areas. It's been devastating. Well, this is the New York issue. It's, dev- it's New York. It's a number of other places as well. Uh, but, yeah, of course, New York, given its office market, is by far larger than any other times 10 
yeah. Yeah, but I went to, uh, 50, I was at 55th and Madison yesterday. It always is it's very scary when the light changes and you're the only person who crosses the street. And I was going to get a new pair of shoes to try to de- deal with what my doctor says will be right to a place called Walking Shoe. It's just fantastic. Closed. Closed from, just closed. Yeah, there's not, there's no foot traffic, so Wait. why would you have a shoe store open? Well, um, right. They did open that block, though. 55th and Madison? Yeah, 55th between, and 56th. Well, what what happened to what, make that open? Yeah. Trump, they opened it up. I knew that. that was I know rhetorical. you did. It was rhetorical, rhetorical also. I just keep answering your questions like you're asking them for real. Um, guys, uh, I wanted to get to some other news this morning, and there's not that much corporate news. but Well, that's good. Just uh, turn us off. Yeah, we, we have nothing to say, so you ought to go put on ESPN. No, and see people what are going to keep watching is. you asking me rhetorical questions and me answering them. They, they live for that. i got a million things to talk about. We have nothing. Not, not much well, I'm going to talk about something right now because I know, listen, you talked about plastics earlier. Really, if you're going to have a kid sitting in the pool and you're going to tell them what to do and they're out of college, you'd say photonics, wouldn't you? Of course. Photonics. Momentum, I'd say. Thank you. Photonics son photonics and that's uh, what's going on here we've got another bid or i should say yet another higher deal to acquire uh as jim just told you a uh, coherent momentum <laughs> once again coming back to compete with two six remember there had also been mks they'd been in there uh but it was a three-way bidding war for a while now we're at 275 or roughly you can take a look at where we are it's uh uh, 220 in cash and 0.61 shares. I mean, this thing started out with a lot more stock than cash. It was 100, I think, in cash originally. It was worth somewhere in the low 200s, at least based on that first day where Lumentum stock price opened up. You do have to wonder sometimes what a board was thinking when there was that much more money on the table, potentially, and that many more bidders. That said, I'll cut them some slack because sometimes it does take actually signing a deal to get everybody's attention. Uh, we saw it with CoreLogic, too. Um, uh, but in this one, wow, it just keeps going on. They've taken in a billion dollars now at Lumentum from Silver Lake in a uh, preferred uh, that's got a conversion price in 92.42. So a bit from here. Uh, but they've taken in a billion dollars. And then Bain actually contributed as much as $2 billion to 2.6 to help finance its deal and or perhaps its next offer if they keep going here. So... Um, this has been an interesting one to watch uh, with coherent stock price continuing to move up, although it is a significant spread. It's going to be an antitrust review no matter what, Jim, but photonics. Which lasers. one of these is Occidental and which one of these is Chevron? I, I don't know. No, you mean not. taking on too much debt? Yes. Too much. Well, I will say Lumentum's current market cap is roughly equal to what they want to pay for coherent at this oh, point. Oh, there you go. Two six is a bit above it. They're, none of them are, are giant companies. Um, but it's reminding me a little bit. Remember three par? Remember those days? Remember Dell and HP oh going back goodness. and forth for three par? That was a great one. Uh, but here you've got a, we'll see what two six does. But again, you do sometimes wonder, uh, did the board not do enough early on? Could they not get everybody's attention until they actually signed a deal? Um, who knows? Guys, m- moving on in uh, research land. Jim, oh. I don't know if you saw Wells Fargo on Comcast this morning. It was sort of an interesting report. Yeah, you know, you I talk about cost that. and getting paid by the word, maybe. I mean, this guy also probably writing a lot. But, uh, you know, these kinds of, of, of reports are always interesting reading. And uh, our parent company, only stock that we can actually own. Right. Uh, but not particularly positive. Saying No. Simply saying, listen, they think Comcast is at odds with what it wants to be. The cable business is excellent, but it's under-levered. They could be levering it a lot more. Of course, it was a pure play like Altice or Charter. 
uh, trades more like a media company post the acquisition of Sky, trades less like cable given lower leverage in the capital returns. What's the plan that they suggest? Uh, you bet I bet you know, right, Jim? Mm, get yeah. rid of get rid of NBCU. Well, the, you know, figure it out. I Carl. mean, I think that's so. You know, the, and of course the yeah, favorite. David, the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah, yeah. The line that stood out to me, David, was that third option merging with potential partners. They say press reports suggest that there are dance partners. Yeah, I think of you first when I read that. Yeah, listen, it's not happening now, but you know I know enough to have have covered these things for so long that you get an, you get it reverberating around. It could be years. But eventually these things do tend to to occur. And it is so funny to see the cycles, of course, of people urging integration, urging vertical integration in some fashion and then saying, no, you need to be pure plays. But, But yes, the idea of combining this business that is NBCU (laughs) with that of Warner Media uh, is one that is certainly going to continue to circulate. There are plenty of bankers who want to talk about it and imagine it. There are also some people, I think, who would believe that it really would create a good deal of value if you do a reverse Mars trust. But right now you got. Neither side, at least at this point, certainly the Time Warner side, interested in even considering it at this point. Yeah. But we'll watch it. There will, there will come a day one morning when we'll be here talking about that potential of that actual transaction occurring. Viacom. What about it? You want to own a network. Yeah. Well, Comcast owns NBC. I mean, yes. Viacom's been a big winner. It has been a huge winner. I think that that matters. Never seen anything quite like that move in Viacom of late. Yeah, uh, it is down today, though, Carl. Rare down day for Viacom. Now only up 150 percent for <gasps> this year. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few things dragging today. Uh, Apple, of course, the worst performing Dow component as tech is struggling. Let's get to Bob Bassani this morning. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Carl. And uh, we're back to the reflation trade. Uh, and that happens um, when you see yields move up. And at 7 a.m., yields started moving up three basis points in an hour from 7 to 8 a.m. Eastern time. We lost 15 points in the S&P futures. Absolute clear inverse relationship. And we haven't really recovered. So let's take a look at the sectors. This is the reflation trade. And the good news is, gee, you don't like tech. You don't like growth because rates move up. We'll just go back and play reflation. There's reflation. Banks, energy, industrials. That's the reflation trade. Meantime, the growth trade, which is semiconductors and China. China's a proxy for growth, too, down today. This is perfect. They're doing exactly what they usually do every time rates start moving up. So the good news is the broader market, the S&P, is holding up fine because of the constant rotation going on. The bad news is we're getting some... Let's just call them some uh, some headwinds at this point here. If you look at thematic tech ETFs, uh, this is the way the market tends to buy things these days. Uh, the clean tech, for example, Kathy Wood's ARC funds. Uh, Kathy Wood has a next generation Internet fund week today. Uh, cloud computing, 3D printing. All of these have problems anytime rates start moving up a little better in the last week and a half, but generally down in the last month or so. If you look at sectors this month, rotation is really head snapping. It moves really, really fast. Generally, we went into the month, the reflation trade doing well. Retail, banks, energy doing well. Industrials doing well. Tech has been lagging. The last week, there's been days when tech has been outperforming. So it's just head snapping rotation that's happening all the time around trying to figure out what's going on with the rate structure here. And if you look at the cross currents right now, there's more tailwinds than there are headwinds, I think. And that's why the broad market is holding up so well. Rates here are the 10 years moving towards 2%. The market believes that is happening. And the question is, can it hold up and stabilize 
with the rotation play. Taxes are being talked about a lot. A lot of models passed around about whether we're going to get a 2022 hit to earnings or not. It's too early to tell overall. Consumer spending, though, stimulus is going to be really, really big for consumer spending throughout the year. And earnings keep going up. I pay attention to this every single day. I look at how the numbers are going. And let's just take a look at this because this is the real determinant of stock prices. They have been continuing to rise through the first quarter. 2021, on January 1st, we were expecting uh, the first quarter to be up 16 percent. Now we're up here 22 percent. It should be saying 22 percent. Their second quarter there, uh, we are, of course, we are uh, up 45 percent on January 1st. Now it's up 52 percent. So the bottom line, Carl, is earnings numbers keep going up. And this has been a phenomenon the last several quarters, rising earnings estimates, not falling earnings estimates. That's keeping the market up. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. We'll see you in a little while. Bob Bassani, thank you. Uh, There's going to be plenty of time to talk about rates all the way into the 2 p.m. hour. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, and we should be talking about rates and hopefully the Fed panel that gives us their ultimate decision through the chairman today will pay more attention to the market's view, even knowing that quantitative easing, they could just tap that accelerator pretty much any time they want. It's pretty brave of the market to challenge that notion. Now, Housing today, the February numbers were not good, okay? Each down over 10% starts in permits. But permits really have been pretty solid, even now that they've lost a bit, which really paints a better picture maybe for building and easing some of this supply issue. It's very tight supply. But I want to bring up something that came out yesterday. You know, that National Association of Home Builders Index was down for the fourth straight month. But it real brings my point home. Look at this. It started in 1985. And even with the downdraft, at 82, it is still four points above 78, which was the all-time high prior to COVID. So there are bright spots, residual bright spots in housing. Now, with Fed Day, let's look at a one week of tens. You can see there's no give back. We could argue about the pace of ascension of rates, but the fact is there's no give back, and that's making many investors much more bold. And if you open the chart up to the second week in January, last Fed Day marked the bottom of the low closes at 101. That was February 26, 27. And if you look at Boone's on the same notion, you'll see that even though they've started up in January, they flattened out a bit. The difference between the two is widening. And finally, a month to date of the dollar index, which had a stellar month. And the reason why you see tens on top of it. Yes, this is like old time trading. We see the dollar and rates moving in the same direction. That's the way it's supposed to be. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. Uh, Rick Santelli. So as we await uh, the Fed decision and the presser this afternoon, uh, 1% declines on the NASDAQ as tech is trying to find some legs here. Dow not faring too badly as it's getting led by Dow itself, Boeing, uh, J.P. Morgan and Cat. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Uh, We, of course, have talked a lot over these last uh, couple of years about ESG. It's rising importance in terms of uh, the lens through which many investment managers look at an opportunity. Uh, Guys, we talked, uh, you know, Andrew Sorkin was talking about it earlier as well on Squawk, that uh, uh, editorial yesterday in USA Today by uh, the former head of uh, sustainable investing at uh, at BlackRock saying, Sustainable investing boils down a little more than marketing hype, PR spin, and disingenuous promises from the investment community. Um, 
I bring it up because, of course, we've talked a lot, Jim, about ExxonMobil of late uh, right. and the promises that it's making to the investment community in part. And I did have an opportunity to speak to Ursula Burns, who's a board member there. She's also a board member of Uber, of course, former chairman, CEO mm-hmm. of, uh, of Xerox. Part of our conversations uh, about all the issues that uh, have been coming at CEOs and board members over this last year, diversity and inclusion certainly being a key one. But we did have an opportunity to talk about whether ExxonMobil is taking this seriously, particularly in light of what you just saw from the U.S. Uh, from that uh, editorial. Here's what uh, Ursula Burns had to say. In my time at ExxonMobil, it's probably the, the most interesting board that I'm on and the one that's the most controversial. In order for us to get to the future that we want, ExxonMobil has to be a participator. There is no way we can get there without ExxonMobil and Royal Dutch Shell and Chevron and all these energy companies participating. So I'm very, very happy with um, the changes that we're making. This is definitely not um, window dressing. Um, not at all. This is... You know, ExxonMobil doesn't take a lot of things lightly. <laughs> I don't think they take anything lightly. This is, so if they say it, they're going to try to do it. You can see more of that interview on our Evolve uh, series. Of course, Ursula Burns will be up there today. Jim, interesting to listen to her. Of course, you and I have spent a good amount of time lately talking about Exxon, doing yep. some reporting on it as well. They need to be a little more creative. They need to be able to say, listen, you know what we're going to use? We're going to flare, and we're going to take the flare. We're going to use the energy, and we're going to, yes, mine for Bitcoin. I'm not kidding. But... Um, by the way, Josh Silverman, I'm interviewing him tomorrow at 90 Seconds Street Y. Uh, they have an auditor who comes in and audits them and audits the ESG. That's what you need. Carl, you have to have an outsider determine whether what you say is greenwash or for real. That's the only way that I'll accept it. Hmm. That's interesting. Oil is back below 65 on some of these European uh, reopening worries. We'll take a short break here. Be back in a moment. Bitcoin uh, takes a little shot today out of uh, B of A. This report titled Bitcoin's Dirty Little Secrets. They say there's no good reason to own BTC unless you see prices going up. It's not tied to inflation, remains exceptionally volatile, making it impractical as a store of wealth or payments mechanism. As such, the main argument they say for holding Bitcoin here is sheer price appreciation. That's getting some notice today. We're back in a minute. What's up on Mad tonight, Jim? One of my favorite, Shopify. We talk about empowerment, smaller retailers, Shopify. This stock is 100 to 1,000, and I think Harley is an amazing business person. Empowering people who are doing great things. Can't wait. Wow, what a story. Uh, and what a, what a week you're having on Mad, Jim. And uh, happy St. Patty's. We'll see you tonight. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Aaron Gobra, uh, we'll see you at 6 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.